All right, so let's get going over here. All right, we really ended off in the middle of a sugya, and we'll see how much, you know, the sugya started. Today's daf, by the way, is Nun Aleph, okay, 51. Today's daf is daf Nun Aleph Amar Aleph, um, where we got up to was Umayshna um, Temura, so, um, which is, the Umayshna Tamura is the third line on Nun Aleph Amad Aleph. Now, I did say that we are going to do a quick Chazara of yesterday's Gemara of the end. So let's do that. Uh, let's do yesterday's Gemara together outside. Okay? Just to uh, get us into the swing of things. See, here's how it works. Here's how it works. Again, we're up to, right now, what we got up to was the third line on Nun Aleph Amad Aleph. Okay, the words Maishna Tamura, and we're kind of wrapping up the Sugi. Let me give you a little reminder and overview of where we are holding. In order to know where we're picking up from, this Gemara really started with the words Gufa, okay, which was four lines from the top of Nunomud base. And I'll, let's go this, let, let's spend a few minutes going over outside the main ideas of Nunomud base to catch us up. Okay, very important. Let's take this step by step. Rabbi Elazar had asked a Shaila. The Gemara discusses what his Shaila is. Ultimately, let's get to the bottom line. The Gemara agrees that Rabbi Elazar's Shaila is the following. The par of Yom Kippur, the personal bull chatas of the Kayin Gadol, is that called a carbon yachid, a private bull? And if it's a private bull, then you could do tamura, you could transfer Kedusha from that bull onto another animal. Or do we say that it is a communal bull because other kaihanim are getting, are getting atoned for it as well. Because this bull, even though he's bringing it himself, is going to be a kapara for all the kaihanim. Therefore, it's considered a partnership, perhaps. And if it's a partnership, you cannot do tamura. You cannot transfer the kedusha onto a different animal. Okay. That's how we understood the Shaila. I'm just reviewing the, the Gemara. The Baron's walking. Okay? I'm just reviewing the Gemara number two. All right? So the Gemara had a Shaila. Rebbe Lazar. The bull of the Kayin God. Is it private or public? The reason why it would be private is because he has to pay for it with his own funds. The reason why it would be public, public is because Lamaisa, it's atoning for other Kahanim as well. What are practical ramifications of this? Whether you could do Tamura or not. Okay? Now, in the middle of Ahmed Bey's, the Gemara went back and forth and tried to prove that it needs to be a uh, it needs to be a carbon yachid. It needs to be considered a personal carbon because we have a brisa that says that the zevach, the carbon, uh, the, there's a, there's a carbon that has chumras over tamura, and one of the chumras is is that the carbon can make tamura, but tamura can't make tamura. Once you have a substitute carbon. The substitute cannot hire a substitute. Okay? Well, since in this brisa it says you can make tamura, and we're assuming the carbon is referring to the power of the kayan, 
Well, it must be the part of the Kohen is a personal karma. Okay? That's what the Gemara tried to prove. On that center of Sheshes, incorrect, because maybe we're not dealing with the bull of the carbon, maybe we're dealing with the ram of the carbon, and that, the ram of Yom Kippur of the carbon, that's what's called a carbon yachid. Okay? And we had a back and forth between, are we, and that's where we're picking up from over here. There's a little more information as well, but to pick up from where we are, what we still don't have panned out is, do we know this zevach, this carbon, that you're able to make tamura with, and if you can make tamura, that means it's a personal carbon, right? Is that talking about the bull of the kayan? And we would have an answer to Rebbe Lazar, if it's private, or is it referring to the ram of the kayan? If it's referring to the ram of the kayan, then we don't have a final answer, okay? Okay. One of the things the Gemara said is that when he uses the word zevach, the word zevach could refer to particular sacrifices. But by tamura, it refers to every carbon that was turned into tamura. Okay? Everywhere, everything that's made into tamura is in the category of tamura. See, here we go. Third line on Nun Aleph, Amad Aleph. Let's start reading inside. That was a whole five minute introduction. Here we go. Why would the word zevach be referring to a specific carbon? But the word tamura be referring to the general carbon of tamura, meaning whether it's an ayla, whether it's a shlamim, whether it's a chatas, all those uh, tamuras are all bundled together. Zevach, we could say it's specific, this type of cow, this type of bull, this type of. But by tamura, it's all the same. So Gemara says, Gashem tamura achasi, because that's just the way it is. Shame tamura. If an animal's a tamura, we call it a tamura, no matter what type of animal it was. But zevach, when it comes to karbon, it's ikabachar vikamaiser. Right, we had Bukhar and Maiser. That's what we mentioned on the top of the Amud, which were cases where you can you can uh, transfer kedusha onto something that even has a mum, where it goes out to, to shear and to work. All right, the Maiser you see within the parameters of zevach of karbonis, there's different halachas, there's different categories. But by tamura, it's all one name. Okay, fine. That was wrapping up yesterday's thought. From here for the next just three or four short steps, we're going to finish up this topic, and then we're going to go back to, um, to a discussion that we had beginning of yesterday's daf. Okay, so let's just wrap up this idea. And that is Ula Rav Sheshes, according to Rav Sheshes, who says that the zevach of the b'risa is not referring to the par of the kohen. Rather, it's referring to the ram of the kohen, and therefore we have no proof whether the bull is considered a private or public. If you're going to establish it referring to the ram of iron, look up at Pesach. Instead of saying it's referring to the ram, why don't you just say it's referring to the sheep of the carbon Pesach? In that same b'risa that says there are certain chumras, certain stringencies that a zevach has over a tamura, what are the stringencies? That it's still chashabis, it could be brought in tuma. We thought it was referring to the bull. Says Rav Sheshes, no, referring to the ram. Ask the Gemara, what do you mean, Rav Sheshes? Why don't you just say it's referring to a carbon Pesach? I were going to ask, where does carbon Pesach come in? Uh, we'll answer, well, the halacha of a Pesach is that you can bring it on Shabbos, as we know from Sachim. You can bring it bitumah, as we know from Sachim. Right? And therefore, maybe that's the case of the chumrah of the zevach over Tura. Maybe it's referring to a carbon Pesach and not the ram of a kohen god. Why is it Tura the carbon diachidu? Answers the Gemara, kasavar ain't shechten a Pesach Shesh is of the opinion that you can't shech the carbon Pesach for one person. One person cannot bring carbon Pesach. We had Machlekes and Sachem about this. Whether you need a Chabura 
or whether one person could do it, you know, I, you know, he'll have leftover meat. All right, that's his, that's his cheshbon, right? Rav Sheshit has the opinion that one person cannot shecht a, a carbon Pesach individually. And therefore, it's automatically considered a public zavach, uh, and that can't be the case of Tamura either. I have a nuke Pesach Sheni. Talk about Pesach Sheni. We're assuming right now Pesach Sheni can, may, be brought by one person. Says the Gemara, yeah, it's true, it could be brought by one person, but me dachi tomah. We're going to get back to this point soon. But the Gemara says, Pesach Sheni cannot be brought in a state of Tumah. Okay? Now, we're going to have a machloikas about this soon. Whether ultimately a Pesach Sheni can be brought in a state of Tumah, obviously Rav Sheshus holds that you can't be Tumah by a Pesach Sheni. Okay, period. End of that sugya. End of that uh, back and forth for now. Okay, what I mean for now is let's push the pause button on this sugya of the par. We're going to get back into it for, from the very first word on Amad Beis. Okay? But for now, let's leave the sugya and start a new discussion. So anybody who wasn't following in the previous, all right, let's get a brand new discussion in over here. All right, Chavre, here we go. Clear our minds. On daf nun Amad Aleph. Right now we're on nun Aleph Amad Aleph. On daf nun Amad Aleph about a third of the way down from the top of the Amud, okay, we quoted a Brysa, okay? And the Brysa had mentioned various carbonates, okay? I'll, let's all go back there just to pull this out. The Brysa says this is on line, it's about uh, 15 lines down from the top of the Amud, Yeah, 15 lines at the top of the Amud, in the middle of the line it says Ditnan. We learned in a Mishnah. Okay? And let's read this Mishnah together on Nun Amud Aleph. 15 lines from the top of the page. Ditnan, we learned in a Mishnah. Omar Lai Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Meir said to him, who do you say this to? He said to the Tanakama. Tanakama says there's not Kaminas, there's differences between carbon Yachin and carbon Sibu. Rabbi Meir said to him, Bahalo Par Yom Hakipurim. But the bull of Yom Kippur, the chavite kohen gadol, and the chavitin, these deep dish uh, minchas of the kohen gadol, u pesach, and the carbon pesach, the carbon yachidu, all these three things, the bull, the chavitin, the pesach, are all private carbonus. And it still overrides Shabbos, even though it is a personal carbon. Now, why is Rav Meir stressing that, it, that these things are personal carbonas? It must be the Tanakhama held that they were communal carbonas. Okay? So, with that reminder of what the Mishnah says, let's now turn back to our Gemara. Okay? And that is like this. Our Gemara is going to focus on that quoted Mishnah. We're now up to, let's turn back to Nun Aleph, Amar Aleph. And we're up to Amar Le Ravuna Bered Rav Yeshua Leram. Okay? About uh, 10 lines to the top of the page. Ravuna, the son of Rav Yeshua, says to Rav, Vitanam, Maishna Pesach de Karile Karban Yachid. Why in our Mishnah, in this Mishnah we just quoted, why are we going to say that a Karban Pesach is considered a private Karban? That Tana 
in the Mishnah said that a carbon chagiga is called a carbon seed, is, is a communal offering, but a Pesach is a private offering. Asks Rav Huna, Bereder of Yeshua to Rava, one second. As far as I'm concerned, whatever a carbon Pesach is considered, a carbon chagiga should be considered. Why? Why should Pesach and Chagiga be considered? The Tana split it up. The Tana said a Pesach is private and the Tzibor is public. Asks Ravuna why. If you're going to tell me anything that's brought in groups, all right, is considered a Tzibor, well, guess what? Isn't a carbon Pesach also brought in groups, brought in Chaburas? So why is the Pesach being brought private? Why do you consider it to be private? Pesach Nami, Asi Beknofia. A Pesach is also brought in groups. So why are you co- considering Chagiga that's brought by Ayla Regel, by all the people, everybody comes together. Ah, they have a Gishmak on the carbon Chagiga, there's Maridig, everybody's coming together, it's a Zaman. Pesach also, everybody's coming together, it's a Zaman. Yeah? So Rabbi says, oh, I'll tell you why he's calling a Pesach a private carbon. You know why? You're right, on a regular Pesach you have groups. But what happens if somebody's Tomei and he needs to bring a Pesach Sheni? If you have one person who's Tomei, he could bring a Pesach Sheni, at least in this answer. Let's see. He says, Pesach Sheni doesn't need a group. And that's why we're calling, when we say Pesach is private, really the Tana means a Pesach Sheni is a private carbon. But it's taka true that a regular carbon Pesach and a regular carbon Chagig are public offerings. Omar Lay, he said to him, come on, you're talking about a Pesach Sheni? Yeah? And that's why it's private. Yeah? So the halacha should be that a Pesach Sheni is Doicha Shabbos Vesatoma. That's what it says in the Mishnah. Yeah? It says that it's Doicha Shabbos Vesatoma, but, but a Pesach Sheni is not Doicha Shabbos or Toma. Says, um, uh, uh, says Rabbi Beck, you're wrong. <laughs> yes, it is. Amar Lei, and it sure is. It sure is Doicha Shabbos. It sure is Doicha Toma. Command Amar Dachi. We're following the opinion who says it is Doicha Shabbos and Toma. Now, how do you know there's a machlekes? This is going to be a little bit of a, a, a quick, short, new discussion concerning Pesach Sheni. Okay? When we're familiar with Pesach Sheni, right? A guy is Tomei, can't bring a regular Pesach, he shows up for his Pesach Sheni. What happens if Pesach Sheni falls out on Shabbos? Can he bring it? What happens if he becomes Tomei a day before the Pesach Sheni? Can he bring a Pesach Sheni? Two interesting shilas. So we're about to read a brisa that shows us a machlekes concerning these halachas. Let's read this inside. Ditani, because we learned in a brisa, Pesach sheni doichas Shabbos vein doichas the, uh, the Tanakhama says, interestingly, the carbon Pesach sheni, if it falls out on Shabbos, you bring it on Shabbos, but if you're tummy, you do not bring it. It's not doichas You cannot bring a Pesach sheni betum. That's the Tanakhama. Doichas Shabbos, not doichas Rabbi Yehuda Aimer, Rabbi Yehuda says, If Taicha Shabbos, if Pesach Sheni falls out on Shabbos, and you even bring it when you're Tomei. You could bring a Pesach Sheni when you're Tomei. Which means you cannot bring a Pesach Rishon when you're Tomei. You got to wait till Pesach Sheni. But if you're Tomei about Pesach Sheni, it's fine. You could bring a Betomei. Interesting Allah, right? Now the Gemara gets into why, what, what's the background of this Machlekes. Here we go. My time with the Tanakhama. What's the reason for the Tanakhama that Pesach Sheni is Docha Shabbos, but not Toma? Amalach will say, listen. Why is the guy bringing Pesach Sheni? Because you wouldn't let him bring up a Toma. 
So now that you get the Pesach Sheni and he's Tomei, you're going to let him bring it? If he couldn't perform the main mitzvah betoma, and now he's Tomei again, of course, the only reason why he's here is because we want him to bring it when he's not Tomei. Well, if he's Tomei, so he lost out. That's it, Zehu. That's the Tanakhama. But if you don't, Amar Lachim, going to say no. Amar Kra says in the Pasuk, Kechok chukas ha-Pesach yasu oisai, if the Pesach Sheni is brought with all the halachas of Pesach Rishain, which means that you could even bring it in a state of tumul. Because Pesach, Pesach Rishain, we know that if you have Kla Yisrael who's Tomei, you could bring a carbon Pesach in a state of tumma. Therefore, the Torah says like this. You're Tomei by a regular Pesach. We prefer you do this in a state of purity. So here's what we're going to do. Bring it in 30 days. What happens if in 30 days he's still tummy? We say, okay, bring it betuma. In other words, you want to give a chance to bring it betuma, betahara, impurity. But let's say 30 days comes and the chances are up. He happens to still be tummy or he's tummy again. So then we say, okay, fine, no, so just bring it. Just bring it, it's fine. No, it didn't work out the second time, just, just get it done in, in, in this way. Period. And that's the end of the Machoikas Tanakam and Yehuda. And that's the end of this topic. We're done with that discussion right now about the Mishnah of Pesach Sheni quoted from Nun Amad Aleph. Okay, so interesting, there's an interesting daf, right? We started out the daf really wrapping up the sugya from Nun Amad Beis, that whole Amad from Gufa, that is in a carbon yachid, carbon seaboard, is referring, you know, what's the difference between the bull of the Kayin and the, and the, uh, the ram of the Kayin of Yom Kippur, is it considered a, a yachid or seaboard again? Now the Gemara went on a shtickle, we'll call it a tangent, Okay, uh, to try to understand the Mishnah on that was quoted on Nun Amud Aleph, and now we're going to turn to Nun Aleph Amud Beis, the very top word, and wrap up the whole conversation. All right, what was the conversation? So let's just remind ourselves very simply. This puts everything into a nutshell. All right, everybody following me over? Yeah. The. This whole sugi was started by a very important question. And that is, when the Kohen Gadol brought his bull as a chatas, is it considered a private carbon because he paid for it by himself? Or is it called a public carbon because it's also atoning for Kohanim? Okay? We don't yet have an answer to that. We thought we had a proof. Rav just deflected the proof. Let's wrap this up. With this question in mind, whether the bull is private or public, says the Gemara, very, very beautiful and straightforward. Listen to this. Top of Nun Aleph on the base. Says the Gemara, one second. Doesn't it say in the Torah that the Kohen brings the sacrifice Asher Lo, that is his. Right? It says he brings the Par Hachatas Asher Lo, that's his. What does it mean it's his? Says the Gemara, Mishalohu Mevi, it means that he's got to buy it with his own money. Right? We learned this. Hangul's got to spend his own funds. How do you know that? Did Tanya? Because we learned in Abraisa. Asher Loi. What do you learn from the words that it's his? 
Mishalohu maybe, he's got to bring it from his own money, Velo Mishal Tzibur. He can't bring it from the communal money. Yacholo Yavi Mishal Tzibur. I might think that maybe you don't use the community's money, because they're not getting atoned for this animal. However, I would think, let his fellow Kohanim help pay for it because they're getting atoned. Let them chip in. They're also eating lunch, so to speak. Therefore, the Pasuk says, again, in other words, the same words, what does it mean? His. He paid for it. He. Not Klal Yisrael, and not the other Kahana. Asher Lut. It's got to come from his private funds. Okay. Yochol, I still might think, Lo Yavi, that maybe you should bring it from your private funds. The Imhevi Kasher. But let's say he does spend the other Kahanim's money. Maybe it'll still be a valid carbon. Talmud Loimar Shuv. It says again, Asher Lut. No. It's got to be from your own piggy bank. Shana Hakosov Alav La'akiv. The Torah writes Asher Loy again to tell us it's Ma'akiv. It's crucial. It's essential that only the Kayin Gadol spends his money on this. Nobody else spends money. Period. What's the Gemara pro- proving from here? Says the Gemara, Rabbi Lazar, you had a question. Is the bull a private offering or a public offering? Hello? The Bryson says that the Kayin Asher Loy. It's got to be private. Nobody else can even chip in. There's a private carbon over here. We seem to have a very straightforward answer from the verse in the Torah. Share light. No, it's private. Why do we need this whole last Amud? Kvaldik answers the Gemara one more step to wrap up. The Gemara says, no. Nishgit. It's not so simple. You know why? Listen to this. He says, according to this whole thought process, this logic, Oh, I proved that it's private. One second. If it's private, guess what? There's a halacha. I'll say this outside for a moment. There's a halacha that a carbon chatos can only atone for its owners. Well, guess what? If he's the sole owner over this animal, how in the world can the other kohanim get atoned? A chatos can only atone for its owners. You can't bring a carbon chatas for me. Only owners can get atonement. Well, very nice that it says a sherloi, he's got to pay for it. But, get, but we know for a fact, who's it atoning for? All the kaihana. So we're kind of in a predicament. It says a sherloi, it's private. But, the, but we know it's atoning for the kaihana. And if it's atoning for the kaihana, that means they're also involved in this. Okay? So it says the Gemara like this, beautiful. If they're not owners, how in the world could they be atoned? Ella rather hears what's going on. You know the chap is? You know how to answer this. Shiny Begaza da Aaron. It must be that this bull of the Kayin Gadol of Yukipur is just different. It's unique. You know how it works? It works like this. He owns it. But somehow, the Torah makes the animal hefker to be able to include the other kaihanim. Hacha gabi tmura nami. And also by the tmura we'll say, shiny because of the aaron. So too by the tmura we're going to say that really it's a, it's a unique type of ownership. 
What's unique about the ownership of the bull and the tamura of the bull? You know what's unique about the ownership? Somehow, Aaron pays for it on his own, but it's, as far as the other kahanim are concerned, he doesn't own it. It's hefker for them, so they can also like join in on the ownership, which is the type of thing, says the Gemara, you don't find anywhere else. You don't find anywhere else. We had a contradiction. It didn't make any sense. It says, Asher Allah, he's got to own it privately. And it says that it's atoning for the Kahanim. It's not possible. If the Kahanim aren't owners, if they're not atoned, answer the Gabari, yeah, this is a Chiddush by Kain Gadol. That's the answer. Just a Chiddush. It's a Chiddush by Kain Gadol. The Torah made it work this way. There's one owner, but somehow the ownership is released so that other Kahanim can slide right in and get a Kapara in that way. Bottom line, as we walk away from this Gemara, Rabbi Lazar Shaila, is the bull of Yom Kippur private or public? The answer is, we don't know. We tried proving it's private. Says the Gemara, not necessarily. We have no proof. We don't have an answer. We're walking away from this Gemara with no clear-cut answer to Rabbi Elazar's Shaila. Period. End of that Gemara. Beautiful. Okay. Whew. We're up to the mission. All right. Let's pause for a moment. Quick introduction, okay, for what the, uh, the rest of the daf, the rest of the Amr is going to be discussing along with the Mishnah. So, where we got up to in the Avoda of the Kangadal so far is he's now, um, he now has, still, he now has the shovel full of coals in his right hand. And he's got the ketores in his left hand. Okay? Now, he's carrying it towards the Kaidash HaKadoshim. How, how is he carrying it towards the Kaidash HaKadoshim? So he's standing in the Ulam, okay, by the entrance of the Heichel. The Heichel could also be called the Kodesh, the Holies. Okay? And he's going from there into the Kaidash HaKadoshim. He's going from there into the Holy of Holies. Okay, what we're going to discuss in the Mishnah is what route did he take? What was the route? Because as he walks through the Heichel, remember there was a Mizbeach in the dead center. Mizbeach HaPnimi is in the dead center of the Heichel. The Shulchan is on the northern side of the Mizbeach. The Menorah is on the southern side of the Mizbeach. As he's walking through, okay, picture this, right? He's walking through the Kaidesh. He's got Mizbeach, middle. Shulchan on one side, Menorah on the other side, one on the northern side. He's walking east to west. Got this? He's walking east to west. In the far west is going to be the Holy of Holies. That's his destination. On the northern side is the Shulchan. The southern side is the Menorah. Okay? Now, we're going to have a machlokas about what route did he take. Does he walk between... As he, he's got to walk between something, right? Does he walk between the menorah and the mizbeach? Does he walk on the outside of the menorah, on the between the menorah and the southern wall, to get to the kodesh hakadoshim, or does he go on the other side? Maybe he walks between the shulchan and the mizbeach, or maybe he even walks on the outside of the shulchan, right? He, there's like four paths to take. He's got right four paths on the outside and also and also on the inside. 
And what's his ultimate destination? His ultimate destination is going to be the Kaidish HaKadoshim. What separated the Heichel slash Kodesh from the Kaidish HaKadoshim? So in the Mishkan and in the first base HaMikdash, there was a wall separate with a curtain separating the Kaidish HaKadoshim. The Kaidish HaKadoshim. In the second base HaMikdash, which was much taller, much taller, they couldn't put up an appropriate wall to separate the two. So instead what they did was, is they hung up either, we're going to find the machlokas in the Mishnah, either they hung up a curtain or two curtains. Okay? Why is there going to be a machlokas about this? Because in the times where, they were, where there was a wall, think about this. When there was a wall, the wall itself has thickness. And we're not sure whether the thickness of that wall had the holiness of the Kaidesh or the holiness of the Kaidesh HaKadoshim. So the question is, did they hang up one, one pareiches, uh, one covering, or did they put two coverings, one amma apart, to kind of create this neutral zone? All right, to create one amma wide, because we were mesupic about where anybody's allowed to walk. All right? I just gave over all the information pretty much without, without the methodology of how we get there, but that's the overview of what our conversation is going to be for the rest of, for the Mishnah and the rest of this Amma. Now let's read this all inside. Here we go. Says the Mishnah. Now walking through the Heichol, right? Again, with the coals and the Keteris. Till he reaches the two curtains in the far western side. He's walking all the way through until he reaches the two curtains. So the Tanakhama holds there's two curtains. Why? To, to take the place of that wall. Okay? Ubeinayam um, Amma. There was an Amma space in between them because that's how wide the original wall was in the times of the Mishkan and the first place of Mishkan. Rabbi Yaisi, however, says, There was only one Parechas. Okay? There was only one curtain. Not two. Shanamar, as it says, There should be one parechas, one curtain. Boom. Okay, so it's interesting. You have the Tanakhama saying there's two, and Rabbi Yaisi is coming up with a puzzle, which shows very clearly what there was a curtain. Okay? It's the Gemara. Let's start the Gemara. The Gemara asks very simply. Rabbi Yaisi's got a verse backing him up. So, Shapir Kalmar Lehu Rabbi Yaisi Rabbi is saying good to the Rabban. Yeah, he's got a good point. Why the Rabban arguing? Why are they saying there's two curtains when the Pasuk says, Ha-parochas, the parochas, the one curtain separates. So the Gemara's answer is, Rabban Amilach, the Rabban are going to say, Hani Mili Mishkan. That was in the Mishkan when they had a wall and the curtain was very thin and covered the wall. Okay. So there was one curtain. In the second place, since there was no traction, since there was no Amma wide thick wall separating of a Mikdash Rishon Hudavai. And, and uh, it's different than the Mikdash Rishon. The Stapkul Rabbanu Mikdushas, the Rabbanu were in doubt about this Amma of open space. Does it have the Kedusha of the Heichel? Does it have the Kedusha of the Kedusha HaKadoshim? Ikel Afnim, Ikel Achutz. Is it like the Kedusha HaKadoshim inside or the Heichel outside? So as far as Suffolk is concerned, they made an extra curtain. It's true. The Rabbanu got the same meaning. It's true that Midaraisa only need one. We hung up an extra one to cover that Amma area so nobody makes a mistake by walking in there in case it has the holiness of Kedush HaKadosh. Period. Okay. Now, 
We said the Kain Gadol the Mishnah walked from the Ulam through the Heichel to these curtains. Tan Rabban, the rabbis learned, so should we, here we go. The Kain Gadol walked, again, which path as he walked through the Heichel? Where'd he go? He walked in between the Mizbeach and the Menorah. Divrei Rebbe Yehud, until he got to the curtains, and then he walked in through those curtains, right? This is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, No, he did not walk between the Mizbeach and the Menorah. Rather, he walked between the Mizbeach and the Shulchan. Okay? Meaning, he walked on the northern side, not the southern side. And some say, he actually walked on the outside. He didn't walk in the Shulchan and the Mizbeach in the middle. He walked on the outside of the Shulchan, on the far northern side, northern wall. He, w- he walked in, went across the northern wall until he reached the, uh, you know, the, the, the back part. My Yeshayim, towards the Gadash My Yeshayim, who's the Yeshayim who says that it was between the Shulchan and the Kaisel? Amar Abchister, Abyeisihi, the Amar Pischa Betzafenkai, who says that the entrance to the Kedash HaKadashim was on the northern side. So he went, he walked in, walked to the northern wall, and just walked along the wall until he found the entrance on the northern side to the Kedush HaKadashim. Rav Yudu Yudu says that he walked between the Menaira and the Mizbeach. He's going to say, no, Pischa Badarimka, you're supposed to walk towards the south. You know why? Because the opening of that curtain was on the southern side. It wasn't on the northern side. So you you walk on the south side because you might as well walk towards the entrance. Rav Meir commands Sfirle. Okay, Rav Meir, who is he following? Ik Rav Yehuda, Sfirle, Neil Rav Yehuda. If he holds like Rav Yehuda, so the Kain Gadol should have gone between the Menaira and the Mizbeach. Ik Rav Yaisi, Sfirle, Neil Rav Yaisi. He should have, if he holds like Rav Yaisi, he should have walked across the northern side towards that entrance between the wall and the Shulchan. Why is Rav Meir saying to walk between the Shulchan and the Mizbeach? kind of in between. You're not heading towards any specific entrance of the Kedush HaKadosh. The Gemara answers, Rameir really holds a Kribyasi that the entrance was on the northern side. However, he, he says, listen, there were, there were extra Shulchanas. We learned this, right? We learned this in Shkallim. There were, there were ten tables. Beautiful, ten beautiful Shulchanas. Neshlamah set up from north to south, meaning along the length of the of the Hechol. And therefore, there were tables in the way of the Kain Gadol, and he couldn't walk along the walls of the northern side. So rather, he walked on the northern side between the Shulchan and the Mizbeach, where the tables were not blocking him, and then he went towards his entrance. Or he could say another approach, Really, the tables were set up not north to south, but Mizrach to Marav. And the reason why he walked between the Shulchan and the Mizbeach, says your mayor, is that because of the Shechina, Lav Eirech Ara, it would not have been proper Derech Eretz, Lemeal Lehedya, to walk straight towards the entrance. You hear this? is such a fascinating idea. Yeah? Fascinating idea. And that is, you hear this? You don't walk up to Kedusha with too much comfort. It says in the Torah, I believe it's the end of Parshat Bahar, it says, Akadosh Baruch says, as, 
Right? Guard my Shabbos and protect my Mikdash. I am Hashem. <coughs> What's the Shaykh between Shabbos and the Mikdash? The answer is like this. Shabbos is love between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's an intimate relationship between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when a person's in an intimate relationship, we get too comfortable. And that's why we say the wrong things. And that's why, you know, you know, uh, it allows us to get a PhD in Midas, right? Because, comfort, unfortunately, you get, you get too comfortable. Shabbat. Says in the Torah, protect my Shabbos. God says, Hashem says, I want to be in a Gishmaka loving relationship with you. But however, don't get too comfortable. When you approach my Mikdash, there should be trepidation. As much as we love each other, there needs to be proper covet, there needs to be proper honor. Okay? Don't take advantage of this relationship. Says Rebeir, a beautiful, beautiful idea. It is. You walk, the entrance is on the northern side. But the Kaimdodo would walk in between the Mizbeach and the Shulchan. He's kind of going in a roundabout route. Why? Because you don't just walk straight up to God. You don't walk straight up to Kedush HaKadosh. No such thing. If you're approaching Kedusha, you want to walk up to a Gadol. Yeah, a big Gadol. You don't just walk straight up. There's a certain covet, a certain, a certain element of humility that needs to be there, uh, you know, in order to, to, uh, to uh, approach this properly. Okay. You see our beloved Yidnar sends HaKadosh Baruch Hu, um, uh, sends HaKadosh Baruch Hu allows each of us to approach him directly. Okay. Rabbi Yehuda Nami says the Gemara... And Rabbi Yehuda as well. Meaning we also have tefillah. We're also able to daven. Um, and we don't need, uh, we, you know, we, we could nowadays just daven straight to Hashem. We don't need somebody to approach Hashem for us on our behalf. Okay? And therefore Rabbi Yaisi says that actually you don't need to be, uh, you don't need to walk in a roundabout way. That's why he says just go straight in. It's fine. It's fine. The same way when a person davens, you just daven straight up. So too with the kaingalo could just walk straight up. Says the Gemara, according to Rabbi Yehuda, why does he say that the kain should walk between the menorah and the mizbeach? Let him walk against the wall. Also, says the Gemara, mashcherei money. He says it's just not practical. It's not practical because since the menorah was burnt on the southern side, there was soot along the walls at times of the Heichel. And if he were to walk along the wall, he's wearing white, clean linen. What's his mommy going to say? Don't get your clothes dirty. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. My mind can't. You got beautiful, heavy clothes. Therefore, he says, I walk along the southern wall. He says, that doesn't make sense to walk along the southern wall. He's going to end up all, he's going to end up black. Right? Um, and therefore, he, uh, he, uh, and therefore, um, he, instead, he would walk between the Mizbeach and the Menorah. We'll hold it here for today just to end off with a cute little humorous thing that this Gemara of Sut uh, reminds me of. There was, a, there was a guy who came to... Um, I don't know, they say this joke about many people, many Rabbanim. I don't know who, you know, exactly you can say, a, a guy who comes to uh, a Chacham 
and he says, you know, teach me, I want to learn how to learn Gemara. Shacham says, oh, you can't learn Gemara. In order to have Gemara, you need to have a, you need to have a Yiddish cup. You need to have a Yiddish cup, right? So he says, come on, try me, try me, try me. I for sure said this joke before, but I'll repeat it again because I get a kick out of it. So he says, uh, okay, I'll teach you how to learn Gemara. You ready? I'm ready. He says, okay. Two people go down a chimney. One comes out totally covered in soot, black, and one comes out totally white. Which one's going to take a shower? So, so this guy says, he says, well, the dirty one will take a shower. So the Chacham says, wrong. Of course not. The clean guy is going to look at the dirty guy and say, oh, I must be dirty. He's going to go run into the shower. The dirty guy will look at the clean guy and say, oh, I must be clean. I don't need a shower. Ugh, you can't learn Gemara. Okay. The guy goes, oh, try, try me again, try me again. Come on, go ahead. Okay, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one. Two people go down the chimney. One comes out totally black. One comes out perfectly clean. Which one showers? So the guy says like this. The one that's black is gonna take a, the one that's not going to take a shower. He thinks he's clean. The one that's clean will take a shower because he thinks he's dirty. The Chacham says, the Chacham says that, that's ridiculous. Why would somebody who's clean take a shower? Doesn't make any sense. What, 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 are you, what are you spewing? This guy's like getting so confused. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, well, hey, give me another one, give me another Shaila. Yeah, give me another Gemara Shaila. Chacham says, okay, ready? I'll get last, last one. This is your third Shaila. Two people go down the chimney. One comes out totally black. One comes out totally white. Which one's going to take a shower? So the guy says, like this. Well, you can clear. If you look at it the first way, so the guy who's dirty will take, won't take a shower, uh, won't take a shower, he thinks he's clean. The guy who's clean will take a shower, thinks he's dirty. But if you look at it the second way, then why would a dirty guy take a shower? Why would a clean guy not take a shower? He's like, so I don't know. So Ham looks at him and he says, imbecile, is it possible two people go down the chimney, one, same chimney, one comes out perfectly clean, one comes out perfectly dirty? It's not shaykh. Ah, done. <laughs> he's done. That, that's how Gemara works, right? That's Mamish Gemara. You look at it this way, like, oh, it makes a lot of sense. All of a sudden, boom, flip it over. Eh? All right. So the Kaindalo wouldn't walk along the wall full of uh, soot. Otherwise, it'll come out uh, perfectly dirty. So this wasn't practical. All right, we'll hold it here. Uh, get the knock, everybody. We'll see everybody tomorrow evening in Mitzvah